another episode of the Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Roy Vandewater. I'm Drew Lesweer. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Clayton Langelzigich. And joining us today is Tom Miller. How's it going, Tom? It's going well. <laughs> in the middle of teaching a Scrum Master class in Kentucky, so um, it's going well, and uh, I'm winding down for the day. Cool. So... When we contacted you to bring on, you had uh, asked to talk about managing traditional culture. Can you kind of give us an example of uh, what you mean by that? Yeah, well, this is something that comes up in our classes uh, all the time. You know, we um, we can't do this where we're at, or we're having difficulty doing it. Um, we run into traditional management. And so a lot of what we talk through is, how you deal with uh, management that, that uh, is, you know, versed in traditional uh, nomenclature. They're used to talking the, the traditional development processes, and uh, you know, they're not uh, familiar with terminology, actual terminology. So uh, I was just looking through um, over the last five or six years. And invariably, at every gathering, there was two or three presentations given on you know how uh, management received Scrum, what people did to um, you know allay fears and to uh, help incubate support for it in the organization and so forth. So that that's really what you know, what I was driving at when I suggested the topic. Of podcast today. So, are you uh, concerned more from a perspective of how to um, how to make these changes work around the existing company culture, or is this more from a perspective of trying to change the company culture to meet the changes? Well, so there, there's a there's a couple of perspectives on this, or a couple of considerations. One of them is. Um, you know, how stoic the company is, how entrenched it is in a culture already. So the younger companies, um, the startups, uh, the companies that have been generated, I'm, I'm going to say, in the last uh, 15 to 20 years, those cultures grew up around a lot more uh, progressive thought. Um, that's how I'm going to couch it in, in management and in organizational st- structure, um, behaviors, and so forth. Companies that are older uh, tend to be larger. Um, they, you know, they're more entrenched in a culture that's developed over decades. Some of them, for instance, uh, the company that I work for has been around. They, it just celebrated its 90th uh, anniversary, uh, and so you know that's quite a, a period of time to develop and entrench a culture. So when you're introducing uh, practices that arguably will uh, cause the culture some trepidation, cause the people that have been in that culture for quite some time, uh, some fears and some apprehensions, then you have to consider how you're going to support that. I, I did a presentation on this back in 2008 at the, uh, or 2009 at a scrum gathering in, in Florida. And, you know, I some of the advice that I gave people at that time was you, you, you can't simply go out and um, carte blanche challenge the, the culture of the company without, you know, providing some explanation and some actual 
evidence of why such a change in the culture would be beneficial for it. And I've been reading a book I should, probably should have read a long time ago called, uh, long time ago called uh, Change the World by Bob Quinn. And in it, he says that transformational change for societies and for companies and for all kinds of large groups of people are very difficult because of the diversity, uh, you know, of the population. So I've got a, a little bit of a question. And, you know, certainly we, we see in the work that we do that uh, it really has nothing at all to do with Agile and it has nothing at all to do with process. It, you know, 99% of it is culture. And so I think that... Um, Kind of the original signatories of Agile and early developers of Agile frameworks, whether it be you know XP or um, Scrum, you name it. I, I think what they were trying to do is say, how can I, within the current crappy culture that I have, what can we do as a team uh, to start to change the way we work and move the bar forward? And now that we've seen a number of companies, you know, from big to small, adopt these you know processes or these frameworks. Uh, what they all tend to do is hit a ceiling to where uh, their performance gets impeded because the culture around them won't let them really take it to the next level. So from like a Scrum Alliance perspective or a CST perspective, are, are we doing people a disservice by still trying to sell them process opposed to uh, really trying to get people to understand that it's a much bigger change than process? Well... Yeah, so interestingly, um, people, so we, we might think that a culture is crappy, right? I mean, or we might not be satisfied with um, the, the cultural nuances that we see unsupportive of doing work in a progressive way. But for all of us that feel that way, there are other people that, that, that feel strongly oppositional to that. You know, so it's not... It's not like suddenly we're you know we're the the new thing and everybody's going to come on board. Yeah, but um, I, 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 I've I've never been brought into a company that wasn't having problems. Meaning, you know, there are certainly camps that say we don't need this fangdangled agile stuff, or we don't need to address our culture to uh, deal with the fact that we've had slumping quarters for the last fifteen quarters and our quality sucks ass. But I've never been brought into a company that was high-performing, market leader, totally kicking ass, going, you know, I really think we need some culture or some process changes around here. So are we doing a disservice by um, companies that are seeking uh, help um, by short-selling them that, you know, hey, improve your teams and start there, and that, that that's a really great place to start? It might still be a great well, place I, to I, start, though. Yeah, I think, I think we go into companies you – now. This is a generalization and maybe not supportive, actually, by observation. But I, I think there can be a tendency to win, uh, you know, sort of naively. And and um, if you come in consulting companies, companies immediately feel that you have an answer. You know, why would you be there? I mean, to your point, if I'm doing well and you know, I'm kicking the market and I'm putting out great products, I'm probably not bringing people up to probably have a pretty strong culture of continuous improvement anyway. Correct. Right. But if I'm, you know, if I'm trying to resurrect a company that at one time maybe performed well or maybe got bit by complacency, any number of those, you know, really bad things that can happen to companies, then there's a propensity to, you know, reach out for a silver bullet. And, um, and yet there's, 
there's a hesitation on those companies to invest in the true changes that will be required if they're actually going to, um, you know, if they're actually going to recover or progress. It's interesting because Jerry Weinberg has written for years that you can't manage change in the same way that companies think that they can manage products and manage people and do all that. I mean, there's even a model called the ADCAR model that supposedly will, you know, uh, systematically and mechanistically structure your organization to manage change. But to his point, you know, he said he and Virginia Satir worked very closely together for years, and it's much more uh, aligned, the, the, the dynamics of the change are much more aligned to Virginia Satir's change model, which, you know, there's, there's some kind of foreign element that's introduced into a company and creates chaos uh, for some period of time. And that's where support uh, for change, whether you're introducing agile practices or you're introducing different engineering practices, however you want to characterize it, there's got to be support in those organizations. But the organizations have to, you know, want to have that support, and they've got to reach out and bring that support in, you know, in the form of uh, coaching or in the form of, you know, really good guidance. Um, and otherwise, you know, it's a waste of everyone's time if you're just going to give it lip service and you're not really going to invest in the change. Um, so I'm sure that you guys see a lot of people at your classes that have this problem and they're wondering how maybe they're coming for a refresher CSM or whatever. And they're wondering how they can, you know, change or kind of manage the traditional culture, but still adopt agile. So what have you seen that has been effective for those people? And, and, uh, you know, how would you recommend that, that someone that's listening, that's maybe in that same boat, uh, how would you recommend that they manage that stuff? Well, so, um, you know, I, I took, I took, you know, a, a Fortune 50 company through that process. And, and I can tell you that, I, you know, I have scars and wounds uh, on, on my body that, you know, resulted from people who were, you know, thought I was crazy. And the, the thing is that you, you have to find, you have to put the organization and the teams and the people first. If it becomes about individuals in any sense, um, then it'll break down. Um, if, if, if you're, you know, if somebody goes in and introduces this and then sees themselves as a, as heroic or, you know, as um, solely instrumental and that sort of thing, then there's going to be a lot of animosity and resentment towards towards such a person. You've got to reach out. It, it, it's in the terms of what Quinn wrote in Change the World, and he used uh, Christ and Gandhi and, and Martin Luther King as examples of people who, who didn't have positional authority, and yet, you know, they created huge transformational change that outlived them. I mean, it survived them. So it's the same kind of thing that you have to go into, into organizations with. You, you can't go in there thinking you're going to be a hero. Those three uh, people didn't do that. They came in with a passion and a conviction and uh, something that they felt, you know, would lead people to a better place. And in order to, you, you know, you got to bring people along with that. you got to reach out and really, uh, you got to appeal to people's fears, you know, and, and you've got to be able to uh, mitigate those fears. You've, you've got to engender trust. And it, it's tough. You know, people look at me in classes and they go, well, who's going to do that? And I go, well, you know, I don't know. It's got to be somebody in your company. Otherwise, you're going to have to do this surreptitiously forever. And eventually it's going to be discovered. 
you know, either you're going to get discovered because you're doing something against the grain, or like was in my case, you actually get good results with it, and people can't avoid seeing it. You know, they, they're going to look at it. They're going to say, "How's he getting those? How, how are you? How are those teams he's working on getting good results?" And so then the cat's out of the bag. So once the cat gets out of the bag, then you have to really think. You know, in a, a therapeutic stand, from a therapeutic perspective, how am I going to take the organization through this? You know, and I'm not going to do it by myself, so I have to find allies out there that are going to help me. Yeah, I think and that's I, a, know, a very good point. Uh, I think there's probably a lot of people who get really excited and passionate about this stuff, but they are expecting that kind of silver bullet, or they think they can uh, be the hero and kind of do it behind the scenes, and then it kind of blows up in their face. Uh, so I think that's good to re- reiterate the point that there isn't the silver bullet there. Awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know you have to have structural support for it. Otherwise, you know it'll just become a fad. I mean, there there won't be you know any legacy to it. That's very cool. All right, so Tom, is there anything that you're currently working on, or any any upcoming things that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, um, I've written quite a bit about this. Uh, I have a blog out uh, called Helping Pigs Fly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was the, the title of the presentation I did several years ago at the Scrum Gathering. So I just created a blog on it. And one of the things I focus on the blog is, you know, how how do you handle these kinds of cultural uh, issues and that sort of thing. So if you Google helping pigs fly, the, the blog comes up right at the top. There's not too many things called helping pigs fly, I guess. So, if I wanted to, uh, to take a Scrum training you know, from you, how would I go about uh, finding a class? Oh, you can go on the Scrum from Alliance site, go to, um, you know, to the training tab, um, and, and then search it and, okay, you know, great. you can search by trainer. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. It was my pleasure and I really enjoyed it. And thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integromtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integromtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Would you like to chat about this topic a bit more? Check out the Agile Weekly Facebook fan page, where you can discuss this episode with the hosts and other listeners.